Welcome to Machine Learning, How the World Works. I want to talk about how Moses is like a prototype of Jesus. In Acts 7, Stephen, who was a saint or one of the followers of Christ, one of the um, apostles, he says, was teaching the people in a synagogue of Libertines, uh, Cretans, Alexandrians, uh, of Sicily and of Asia, and they gained, came into a heavy dispute with Stephen, and their main argument was that he was speaking blasphemous words against Moses and against God. That was the main thing that they were saying, which is interesting because if you look at the area they're from, they had been converted to Christianity, and but they came from a background where they did not worship God, and and but they were in contention with Stephen, and they were saying that he was speaking blasphemous words, meaning saying things against Moses, saying things against God that were so offensive that the people shouldn't witness, uh, should uh, basically come against him and stone him. And they said that he that set up false witness and this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. And we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. So they had been caught into the idea of customs, laws, process. And you know, when you think about it, we're, we're a lot like that too. We're, we're in our processes, we're in our customs, things that we're comfortable with. And we, uh, we like to watch our Monday football or we like to watch uh, things on Sunday or we do our shopping on Sunday or, or we do things that we find comfortable or convenient and it may go against keeping the law of, of the Sabbath holy, but at the same time, we, we uh, are comfortable in our customs and rationalized it. And, but they were very discomfortable with Stephen uh, talking, and he goes on to account of Moses. And I believe the reason he's doing that is to indicate that Moses was a type of Christ. And that Christ was the true Messiah who would come and save the people and deliver them. And that Jesus of Nazareth would not destroy Moses, but would fulfill Moses. And he was the fulfillment of who Moses uh, was prophesying of. And it says in Acts 7.37, And this is Moses which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. So the prophet being, and people often, Jews often referred to Christ as a prophet, was Jesus Christ. Now in our day, that prophet was the prophet Joseph Smith, who came to restore the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was like unto Moses. So again, there is this analogy in, the, in our day 
and also in the days of the Jews as it related to Moses. Now, the thing I found interesting about Moses is it says in verse 22, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and in deeds. Now, he didn't know the language of the Hebrews, but he knew that the Hebrews were his people through revelation and through possibly the Egyptian history itself of Osiris giving indication of the coming of Horus, which would have been Christ. And so he would have known that there would be a great deliverer that would come and save the people. Now, and, but it says that he was learned in the wisdom of the Egyptians and their mighty words and deeds. And through this, and through personal revelation, he was able to know that he would be a deliverer of his people just like Christ would be a deliverer of his people. And it says in 23, And when he was full 43 years old, it came into his heart to visit the brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffering wrong, he defended them and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. In other words, he uh, was a savior, acting as a savior, acting as a judge, realized that a law had been violated, initiated a punishment, and smote the Egyptian with a fatal blow. Now, he said in verse 25, he supposed that the Hebrews would then realize that he was the chosen one coming, come to save them. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that by God, by his hand, would deliver them, for they understood not. And so he, like Phineas, acted for God. He smote the uh, Egyptian who was acting unjust. And the Lord was pleased with Moses' action in slaying the, the Egyptian. And as later we learn that Moses would be selected by uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In verse 32... Moses then drew near unto the voice that came. So there was the burning bush and the flame in the, the burning bush. In it, and it said, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. In other words, he was the great Jehovah. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, put off thy shoes for this place where thou standest is holy ground, is holy ground. I have seen, and I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and am come down to deliver them. And now I will send thee into Egypt. So Moses learns before he's even sent into Egypt that he will be the deliverer of his people. And just as Christ knew before he performed the great atonement that he would be the great deliverer of his people, Through Revelation, he, like Moses, um, was called of God by our, his Father in heaven, the great Elohim, to perform the work of the great atonement. And that through the performance of the great atonement, it would liberate all men from sin and death. Now Moses, likewise, would lead the children of Israel 
through and convinced the Egyptians through the ten plagues to destroy that would symbolically destroy the ten gods of the Egyptians, that the God of the Israelites or Jehovah was a stronger God and thereby a more powerful God and that they should submit their will to this powerful God and let his people go. And the Pharaoh, being convinced after the slaying of his firstborn son, let the children of Israel go. Our Heavenly Father had to sacrifice his firstborn son that we might be let go from the grasp of sin and death or the grasp of Satan who would hold us bound to him as perpetual slaves or he would be our master for the remainder of eternity endlessly. And so as a result, Christ is the great liberator. He frees he freed us from the claim of sin and justice. Claim of justice, he freed us from the claim of justice because justice demands payment, and Christ would make that payment through the shedding of his blood. In verse 40 it says, May uh said unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us for as for this Moses which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we won't not what is become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice unto the idol and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. This idol worship was, it was uh, Egyptian possibly, but I think it was more worship of Baal. Uh, and it was a sexual practice. And as a result of that, they had um, brought upon them the judgment of God and the Levites then went and slayed 3,000 plus of them Israelites for their abominations before the Lord. It said and it gives you an idea that uh, that this was a great abomination in 43 it says, yea ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch which means uh, Moloch is where they sacrificed their children to their God and the star of your God Ramphot. So these are idols. These are uh, these were plaguing idols that brought upon the wrath of God. And so the Levites, in order to turn away the wrath of God, cleansed the house of Israel by destroying the idol worshippers. And but the Lord still would not allow them to enter into the promised land for forty years until that generation died off and the next generation was allowed then to enter into the promised land. And it says in 51, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do you. So Stephen has is, is now made this analogy. He's talked about Moses. And then he, he tells them the truth. He says, Verse 52, which of the prophets have you have not your fathers persecuted? They have slain them. They slew them before the coming of the just one of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers. So in other words, they, they, killed, they killed the just ones. 
um, who have received the law of the disposition of angels, which is the higher law, and have not kept it. And they have heard these things. They were cut in the heart, and they gnashed on him their teeth. So, in other words, they they were uh, they were Satan. Satan does that. He weeps and wells and gnashes at the teeth when they do not fall down and worship him because he is desperate for the children of God to worship him. And Stephen said, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfast in heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I have seen the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. Now, to me, why this is so important is in the last days, we know that the wicked will be gathered like tares into bundles and then burned at the coming of Christ. And I've often thought, well, is that just? And it seems just because tares are of no value. They're a weed and the wheat has been gathered and they, they are of value. They're the righteous and so taking that which is of no value like the priest of Bel and uh, the Bel idol worshippers of Moloch and destroying them is according to the justice of God, that there is a punishment affixed for those violations of God's law. And so even though they were claiming that they were, uh, Stephen was violating the and and blaspheming their law as if the law was a God whom they worshipped, they also were in hypocrisy in that they killed the prophets also and that they persecuted the holy ones of God also. Um, and so in the last days as we look at the things getting more wicked and it seems like that the wicked are prospering and they are ruling over us, I think that there will be come a time when the gathering of the two, the righteous, away from the wicked will occur, and that's called Zion. And as that occurs, as we find ourselves in Zion, we'll be safe in Zion. And so when Christ comes again, we'll be welcoming him, and the wicked will be fearing him as they fear his presence and glory, like as if the sun on the dew in the morning, they will wither away out of fear their fear of their own rebellion against the true and living God. 